Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is August 12, 2020, and it's been a really wild morning for me. Uh, I don't know about you guys. You know, I have to help my mother out with some social security issues. So guess what I'll be doing Friday morning? Because, <laughs> you know, she's of that age. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, and I think we're going to focus on our local. I was watching the Senate hearing today where they're talking about the control of virus package and having discussions. But the thing that I want to address today is the ill health of our information highways. Uh, it's very important that we understand that this is not uh, normal. We have, uh, you know, this, the, the, one thing that I always say is that everybody has a price. Right. Uh, Everyone has a price. Uh, There is always a way to get around. And I'm seeing that more often than anything right now. We have no media whatsoever that will provide us the news. They give us part of it, not all of it. And we have people that are coming out of the woodwork, you know, making claims, making statements when we should be listening to our president. No one else. No one else. Just our president. People can make claims all they want. People can make statements all they want. And you know, not to thump or anything, right? Not to pat myself on my back, but simply for demonstration. Everything I have said that the president will do months before he does it, weeks before he does it, he does exactly that. Why? Because there's only one side of truth. There's only one side of good. There's no dashes of sprinkles of this and that. There is only one side of truth. And no matter what anyone says, oh, well, this, oh, well, that. I'm seeing so much fracturing from people veering away from the truth. It's pretty insane. Pretty insane. Now, what I'm also seeing is a lot of people coming out to attack those very people that the president himself is voting for. Coming out, speaking, saying things as if they know people. I I have people saying, oh, that person, yeah, this. Man, this is it. This is where you can see who has a price and who doesn't. Who really does and who doesn't. That's the way it is. And why? Think about it. Why? Why? Why would a public utility come after candidates? Candidates, right? Not one candidate. Candidates across the nation. Why are they silencing candidates? And I say this again, debts. And this is all on a local level because they understand just how important it is to infiltrate your local government, your local government. That's what it is. Now, we only see the ones that are loud, the ones that everybody hated (laughs) are being silenced. The ones that everybody hated are being silenced. And some people are like, it's okay. Remember. Evil will pull the tongue out of the one that speaks truth, regardless, regardless. And for anyone to start pointing fingers, I dare you to cast the first stone. That's the way it goes. Where is it? What makes you right to cast the first stone? I want you to listen to what 
Laura Loomer had to say about yesterday, who, by the way, just so that you understand, President Trump is voting for Laura Loomer. President Trump is voting for Laura Loomer. Let's make that clear. President Trump is voting for Laura Loomer and public utilities have banned her. And now all of them are coming out misinformation like nobody's business. Hey everybody, Laura Loomer here, the Republican frontrunner candidate for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, which is home to President Trump and Mrs. Trump. As many of you know, I am the most banned woman in the world. I am literally banned on every single social media site. Payment processors like PayPal and Venmo and even GoFundMe have banned me. I'm banned on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, Uber, Lyft, Uber Eats. That's right, I can't even order food. The list goes on and on and on. Even Chase Bank has temporarily shut down my online access to my bank account. And uh, as a candidate for Congress who has raised over a million dollars and, like I said, is the front runner, my campaign is still being denied access to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and PayPal. We are the only deplatformed campaign in the nation. Um, up until this point, my campaign has found ways to work around that. But today, a drastic escalation happened, and I'm making this video to document it so that you see that the censorship has moved from the big tech social media companies to the telecommunication companies themselves. Uh, we use text campaigns to reach out to people because, like I said, I can't use social media. And today, when I went to go approve my uh, text campaign for today uh, to make sure that there were no typos and that everything was set to go out to... Um, my supporters from my fundraising email, uh, this is the message that came through on my phone. So just so that you understand what you're looking at, uh, the message says potential threat direct detected. And this is the link that somebody would receive if they got my uh, text message that said, hey, it's Laura Loomer, uh, Matt Gates just endorsed my campaign, check out what he said here. And then they would click on a landing page that was sent to them in a text message and it would take them to the page. But the first thing that they see upon getting that is potential threat detected. So if you get something on your phone that says potential threat detected, you're likely not going to wanna to click on it because you're gonna be concerned about what that threat is, right? So you can see. So now I just wanna show you all how the telecommunications companies, and this is Xfinity. This is Xfinity that we're on right now. Um, you click on it. And it's supposed to go, you saw it's supposed to go to my campaign page and it says we've blocked access. So Xfinity is now blocking access to my campaign donation pages and my campaign website and they're calling it dangerous. So again, I'm going to do this again for you to see right here. Okay. You see, I just opened up my text. This is real. This is happening. This is not a hoax. This is not a conspiracy. Hold on. And let's just say there are people out there that are running against her. All of them, supposedly conservatives, Republicans, Q, a follower, the whole thing, right? There's tons, tons. There's a few of them. They come out all salty. All of them have social media. All of them are not being banned. All of them have full and unfettered access, yet none of them are making waves. That should tell you everything you need to know. This woman has been muzzled, her tongue ripped out. Yeah, okay, you don't like her. She's young, she's 27, she's still, I, you know what? I tell my kids this now. Unfortunately, the way society has molded our children, and that's something that you're still a kid when you're 30. You still don't know what you want to do. You may have some idea, but you don't. Millennials do not have any idea who they are, what they are until they're about 30. They're all feeling it out. 
for anyone to sit there and say, well, you know, uh, President, President Trump is dropping a vote for her. Melania Trump dropping a vote for her. Matt Gates, her. DeSantis, her. All the people that are fighting for our rights are voting for her. But then there's people out there putting together things. Man, why? You've never done stupid things when you were young. You're just lucky there weren't cameras during your time. See, I'm clicking on the link. Okay. We have blocked access. This site might compromise your device or contain dangerous content. To avoid these risks, close the window and skip this site. So I would love to know, you know, Facebook not only banned me and labeled me a dangerous individual, but now it looks like Xfinity, which is not a social media company. Xfinity is one of the, Xfinity Comcast is one of the largest internet providers in the country, okay? And in Palm Beach County, it's one of the only choices that you have. In Palm Beach County, where I'm running for Congress, one of the only choices you have as a cable and internet provider is Xfinity Comcast. And now Xfinity Comcast is blocking my campaign links, my donation pages, and my website to my to my constituency. So this is this is an insane escalation. Now conservatives are not only being targeted by the big tech social media companies, but also by the telecommunication firms, which proves that we need serious antitrust legislation in this country right now. This is extreme election interference. This is facts. So there's a lot of people that have been coming out, you know, I'm this, I'm running, I have this, you have nothing. You are not the one that's going to Congress. She is. And she has the right to have her voice out. Why are they silencing her the most? Because she's going to make the changes we need. So anybody coming out and saying anything different about Laura Loomer or using her college days, her young days where she was a kid. <laughs> uh, you should not be throwing stones. It made me say, I had someone today send me something and I'm like, see, that's the thing. All you have to look at, see who's paying, who's the sugar, 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 daddy, sugar Kings. <laughs> But we'll talk about that after the elections, because right now that would be dangerous. Uh, La Romana sugar. That's all I'm going to say on that, because I can't. This is where I need my sombreros to be um, authorized by Twitch. <laughs> so I've put some sombrero um, emotes uh, for my Twitch uh, listeners. So here's where we're at. They're actually silent. She is going to change the face of politics. She is going to go in there and tear it up, tear it up. And they are terrified. Oh, and you know, like I said, I've already told her, once you go to Congress, I'm coming with you. I'm going to be one of your legislative people. I'll be the director where I look through things, point things out, and then give it to the real lawyers to dumb it down to us and tell us what's up. Because this is how it happens. This is how we make change. The right people right there. Getting in there, getting their hands dirty and exposing and pulling pants down from day one. So that's the way it is. And they are terrified because you only need one. One. Ideas, they say, are very dangerous. Yes, they are. And the idea that you believe that the Constitution gives you the right to think on your own, speak as you wish, and be a member of this amazing nation called the United States of America is terrifying to them. That's all you need to know. And how do we see this? The media. The media is now going nuts. I'll tell you what. 
I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, and I see it through chat groups that I'm on forums and I'm, and I have a lot of different little personas in these forums, right? And in these chat rooms, I, I, I see everything. I see everything and I never speak. I'm just there. And I see a lot of people making statements about things they know when they don't. The truth is we're in the middle of a war and I wrote about that back in 20. I think that was what got me canned from writing for the Huffington Post when I said we're in a civilized civil war. And when people see this for what it is, a war, it'll be too late. You're already in it. My listeners know where World War III is starting, why it's starting. It's all about land grabbing. We've talked about this, where it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. You've been listening for two and a half years, three years now, you know. And that's how you are awake. That is how you understand where you stand and where your nation stands. What do they stand under? Under the guise of what? The world globalist order or under one flag? What do you stand under? What do you understand you stand under? That's the question. So now we saw yesterday that they made exactly what we thought was going to happen, which is nominate a woman. But I've already told you that's not going to stick. It's not going to be a corsage. New York Times already told you that. They already told you it's not going to be two men. It's going to be two women. They already told you it's not going to be a man and a woman. It's going to be two women. And I, I think it was in 2019. I'm going to go digging for that episode. If anybody remembers it, there was a movie. If any of my listeners right now are on Twitch, Facebook, Periscope, or DLive, whatever, email me. If you remember the episode where I played, where I was telling you about a movie that was taped in 2018. Uh, well, it was before Elizabeth Warren put in her hat for the race. And in that movie, way before Elizabeth Warren even ran for the race, there was a bumper sticker on the car. It was about two girls. It was like a coming of age type film. One of them looked like, you know, a, a boy, but she was a girl. And there was like, you know, this coming of age thing. But on her car... From the get-go, from the beginning, the first scene of it, where she gets into her car, it's like a beat-up old sedan with her friend, there's a bumper sticker that says Warren 2020. And I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, you know, she um, didn't say that she was running when this was taped. Uh, she did not throw her hat in the race. Why is she there? Because Warren is their other weapon. It's going to be two women. And they really think that everybody wants two women. They think that it's going to be like, yep, no, no, it's not happening. It's not happening. They're already losing their minds. The Democrat ticket right now, Joe and Ho 2020, right, is completely racist. It shows exactly what the Democrat Party stands and has stood for, for since their inception, which is racism. We have in slavery, we have Joe, who doesn't even know his name right now, who's, who is a racist, period. All his comments, racist, period, done. And then we have Kamala Harris, who's not black, okay? She's Indian, who was actually raised by one of the slaves. 
There's pictures of her being raised by a slave. They had slaves. And then not only that, she lied, right? I played that clip of Tulsi Gubbard talking, you know, how, you know, she lied. She rounded up people from marijuana. She filled the prisons up. Not only that, she lied and said, I was smoking, uh, you know, back in the days, listening to Tupac girlfriend. Tupac wasn't out then. Like, what are you talking about? This is where it comes down to it. Even the left and pardon their French. I need to play that clip. Uh, Carly was great um, on putting it out. They're so mad right now. They are so mad um, of uh, what's happening that they're ranting online. I want you guys to take a listen to this. It's, it's, it's pretty extraordinary. Uh, the language used, obviously. So it's coming with a disclaimer. But what they're saying. Okay. This is a listen. fucking cop. Full stop. The fact they fucking chose her after all of these goddamn fucking protests prove that they really do not give a fuck about us. Full stop. Two fucking cops on the ticket? You've got to be fucking kidding me. Kamala Harris is a fucking cop. Full stop. The fact they fucking chose her after all of these goddamn fucking protests prove that they really do not give a fuck about us. Full stop. Two fucking cops on the ticket? You See, they're upset and they should be. Because this is exactly it. They're so not in tune with who their base is, right? They're so not in tune with who their base is that they're just doing whatever they think is best. So we've got a Joe and Ho ticket, right? We got a Joe and Ho ticket going. And, you know, this is going to be fun. You know, there's pictures and videos of Kamala Harris and her ex at Ron Jeremy Swinger Clubs. <laughs> I wonder if those will be leaked anytime soon, you know, and one will say, well, you know, she like, Hey, everybody's been to those. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. I'm okay with it, but <laughs> it's going to be seen as, Oh my gosh, a man showing this, you know, it's kind of like the thruple that we had, right? The thruple in, Oh, what's so bad about that? You know, this, nah, nah, nah. and look, Joe and Ho is going to be very temporary. We're going to get Warren coming in because Joe's going to have to go. Dr. Jill ain't flying. Okay. They've, they've tried it. They've tried it. They had her on with that one-to-one and it wasn't working. It really wasn't working. So I, I thought we could start today with um, Laura Ingram and what she had to say about, uh, you know, Kamala Harris and how she put it together, okay? Uh, because it was, a, it was a pretty interesting put together. I mean, I don't like everything Laura Ingram does. She does it so, um, I don't want to say carefully, but so, um, well, you know, she does have producers. If I had producers, boy, you know, I'd be like giving you like the whole spiel if I had a production team. But uh, <laughs> she put it together okay. Very PG. I would say G. But it, it was okay. She just talked about her views, which is one of the most important things that people should care about is Kamala Harris's views. So let's take a listen to that. Joe Biden's announcement of Kamala Harris as VP, well, it contained a telling tidbit. This is what he said in the written statement. I've decided that Kamala Harris is the best person to help me take this fight to Donald Trump and Mike Pence and then to lead this nation 
starting in January 2021. Wait, wait, to lead this nation? Wait, wasn't, wasn't that you supposed to be on the top of the ticket doing all that leading for us, Joe? You know, that whole presidency thing? Come on, man. Even Joe's with it enough to understand that he's not really going to be running the show if he wins in November. It has to be demonstrated that whomever I pick is two things. One is capable of immediately being president because I'm an old guy. Okay? (laughs) No, but I'm serious. Well, now that we know who will really be taking the reins in a Biden administration, let's take a look at what she'll do if they're elected. Today, the New York Times went the absurd route of touting the senator as a, quote, moderate. Of course, the opposite is the case. For starters, her position on illegal border crossings. I believe if someone crosses over the border it's illegally, it is illegal, and you would, you would decriminalize it. I would not make it a crime punishable by jail. Of course not. Come on in. Bienvenidos. And what about taxpayer-funded health care for all those new undocumented Democrats? Raise your hand if, gover- if your government plan would provide coverage for undocumented immigrants. Of the hand raise questions. I love those. What about abortion? I'm going to put in place and require that states that have a history of passing legislation that is designed to, to prevent or, or limit a woman's access to reproductive health care, that those laws have to come before my Department of Justice for a review. That's called preclearance. That means partial birth abortion greenlit under President Harris. And she loves socialized medicine. Do you think eliminating private insurance would be a socialist idea? No. Okay, so my, um, I strongly believe that we need to have Medicare for all. Do you think that's socialist or not, Medicare for all? No, no. It's about providing health care to all people. Yeah, yes, it's worked out well for California, everything they're trying out there. And did I mention that Kamala also wants to take your guns away? Upon being elected, I will give the United States Congress 100 days to get their act together and have the courage to pass reasonable gun safety laws. And if they fail to do it, then I will take executive action. Yeah, reasonable gun safety, a little comaology needed there. Here come the guns. The Times also, by the way, called her pragmatic. We say That's fraudulent. Tulsi Gabbard exposed Kamala as a phony on criminal justice. Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president. She put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. And I am proud of making a decision to not just give fancy speeches or be in a legislative body and give speeches on the floor. The people who suffered under your reign as prosecutor, you owe them an apology. Tulsi Gabbard just took her apart. Do you remember that debate? Now, furthermore, Senator Harris basically accused Joe Biden of being a racist on national TV. It was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race. You also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class 
to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. That was the it moment. Well, after that, she very publicly suggested that Biden was guilty of sexually assaulting Tara Reid. Somebody who has a relationship with Vice President Biden, what message would you give to the women who feel like their space has been invaded in the past by the Vice President? I believe them and I, I respect um, them being able to tell their story and having the courage to do it. Do you believe that the Vice President should enter this race? Oh, he's going to have to make that decision for himself. Marinate in all that for a moment, okay? Essentially racist, at least in, you know, promoting all these past senators like Robert Byrd, friendships over. And uh, implicitly, at the very least implicit, she was saying he was guilty of sexual assault. But now all of a sudden she's willing to work with him? A segregationist and a, a sex criminal? Oh, it's a good question. Maybe somebody in the lamestream media will have the courage to ask about this. But given all these issues, I've no doubt that the Biden campaign looked far and wide for a better option than Harris. But I guess there wasn't. There wasn't anyone. Susan Rice had way too much baggage and no election experience. Former Obama advisor David Axelrod said tonight Biden actually clicked best with Governor Whitmer. But she's not a woman of color and runs Michigan like a tin pot dictatorship. And the other candidates were political small fries without any type of experience or name recognition that you'd want in a VP. Of course, Biden's big mistake, of course, was narrowing his options by limiting his choice on the basis of skin color. And on planet Earth, that used to be called bias or even racism. Uh, using color as a metric? Well, that's what he decided to do. And as someone running for the nation's highest office, Biden is morally obligated to pick the best person to take his place in the event of a tragedy, regardless of race or gender or of ethnicity, any of it. But he never even tried to do that. How cynical. Instead, he viewed the whole thing as a box-checking exercise for the woke crowd. He should have made his choice just on merit. But now he's stuck with Harris. The bottom line? She ran for president not so long ago and had a golden opportunity to present herself to liberal voters in the Democrat Party. But they rejected her in the most comprehensive manner possible, making it absolutely clear that they didn't regard her as worthy of serving as president. Now, in a desperate effort to please the hard left, Biden has rejected the judgment of his own party's voters and placed Harris in line to have all the power that Democrats thought she shouldn't have. All right. So before I go to the break, which is a little bit late, I just wanted to say it was, you know, obviously I don't have my old account, but I actually warned of this of Kamala back in 2019 and 2018, more so because of her involvement in the Jussie Smollett debacle. And that's going to come up with Avenatti. I talked about it. I so talked about it. Avenatti and Kamala got together via Tina Chen to help Jussie Smollett. And I tweeted out another picture. They were together in this organization called Time's Up that works with children. We know the FBI has opened up an investigation in Chicago against just Jussie Smollett, you know, her little nephew, who hates white people, yet his father is a five foot four white Russian man. Let's get this clear. Okay. White Russian man. So he is a... <laughs> 
<laughs> but he hates white people. He said it himself. I did a whole thing on that, you know, through my Twitter, through my radio show. I talked about it on the day and I said it was going to be a hoax. I will find those episodes. I will put them in my subscribe star. You need to listen to those because they, she and Cory Booker were pushing this uh, lynching bill just when Jussie Smollett was you know, had a noose wrapped around his neck, how Don Lemon just went all in after it. You know, this is all going to come out. This is perfect. We should be speaking. We are the news. Even the right isn't talking about it. Why aren't they talking about Time's Up? Why aren't they talking about Jussie Smollett? Why aren't they talking about Kim Fox? Why aren't they talking about Tina Chen and the Obamas? No. No, we can't have people understanding things. No, how, what? Give people the right to see facts? Huh, guys, this is, uh, all of our media is corrupt, all of it. We can't trust any of it. Even they, they, Laura Ingram said it so nicely. Why didn't she add in the whole part of Time's Up? I wouldn't trust, I would trust Captain Hook to give me an, a, a colonoscopy uh, without sedation. Rather than have Kamala Harris anywhere in government, anywhere in government. So when we come back, we're going to revisit a little bit about how Kamala Harris had compared and contrast ICE to the KKK. She said it with her own mouth and you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. So I'll see you guys in just a bit because I want to play my ads. Thank you. Forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. 
And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. Right. Welcome back, everyone. So here we go to start uh, pretty quickly. I want you guys to listen to just the specific clip where uh, Kamala Harris equates ICE, ICE, remember ICE, that is responsible for what? Arresting pedophiles, right? To the KKK. This is from back in the day when she said it. Take a listen. Are you aware that there's a perception that, that ICE is administering its power in a way that is causing fear and intimidation, um, um, particularly among immigrants and, and specifically among immigrants coming from Mexico and Central America? Are you aware of that perception? I, I do not see a parallel between the power and the authority that ICE has to do its job. Uh, the context is that's Ron Vitello. He's the president's nominee. He's served his country for 30 years now in law enforcement. He is the nominee to be director of ICE. And I looked it up and a couple of weeks ago, Ed, as a Democrat, you said publicly that the party was making a, state, a mistake by saying they should abolish ICE. And you said that uh, some of these ideas are not based in reality and that could help the president be reelected re in 2020. Why is Kamala Harris not listening to you and comparing ICE agents to the KKK? <laughs> Well, first of all, I don't know how many people listen to me anymore. But having said that, uh, it makes no sense. Look, I should be reformed, and there are problems with ICE, and there's no question. Yeah, they're like taking down the pedophiles. So this is Ed Rendell. He's the former DNC committee chair uh, stating that this is um, this uh, was from 2018 when she said it. See, I was all over that back then too. Uh, but I'm, I'm just saying this is how far back it goes and how far back people don't pay attention to. This is what should be shown. You know, this is how it is. She's equating ICE to the KKK. This is right before her lynching bill. Okay. Right before her lynching bill. And I'm going to try to find a video. I think I did a video with Chris Berg on Jussie Smollett. And I said how Avenatti is going to be coming up on that one too. I didn't look really good either. <laughs> it was really bad camera, but I'll try to find it so I can play that snippet for you. It is pretty incredible what we are seeing uh, happening right in front of us. It is insane. Now, today, uh, I'm going to continue. We're going to break down President Trump's response, uh, his uh, interview on Hannity. We're going to play it. We're going to listen to it. We're going to analyze it. Uh, but, of course, 
the person that always knocks it out of the park. One of my favorites, and <laughs> we all know how one of my favorites he is, is Tucker Carlson. He said it so right. <laughs> there are timeshare sellers more, <laughs> more trustworthy. I mean, I could find, uh, you know what? To be honest, I would probably trust Hillary Clinton more than Kamala because I know her playbook. Kamala Harris, she has a playbook that none of us see. Remember, she sat with George Soros and George Soros backed her. This is why she's there. Remember, she's the one that was pushing that lynching bill for him. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Big news in the political world. Just hours ago, Joe Biden's handlers announced they have selected Senator Kamala Harris of California to run as Biden's vice president. We will admit we did not see this coming. In fact, just last night on this show, we told you that Susan Rice was likely to get that job. Rice is a hardened partisan, but she is not stupid. And more to the point, Rice has sincere beliefs, whether you like them or not, and we don't. But Kamala Harris is the opposite of that. Harris may be the single most transactional human being in America. There are timeshare salesmen you would trust more than Kamala Harris. You could find payday lenders who are more sincere. So it seemed inconceivable that given his current state, Joe Biden would choose someone so transparently one-dimensional as Kamala Harris, someone as empty as he is. It would be the first entirely hollow presidential ticket in American history, and we thought it could never happen. But it is. They're doing it anyway. Biden-Harris, that's what they're going with. And the choice tells you a lot about the current state of the Democratic Party. America is still technically a democracy, yet neither Biden nor Harris has ever been popular with actual voters. This is Joe Biden's third run for president. The first two attempts ended in embarrassing disasters. The third was headed at high speed in that direction. And then a series of unforeseen flukes in a highly crowded primary field left Biden the last man in the race. He was clearly shocked by his own victory. On election night, the night he clinched the nomination in March, Biden was so rattled he mistook his sister for his wife during the acceptance speech. At the time, Joe Biden's relative unpopularity seemed like a major problem for Democrats. This is politics, after all. The people who tend to have the most support tend to win. So if you're choosing a presidential nominee, you'd think you'd want someone with a built-in constituency, a base of passionate voters you could count on on Election Day. But as it turns out, that is the last thing the leaders of the modern Democratic Party wanted. They already had a candidate like that. In fact, his name was Bernie Sanders, and they did everything they could to stop him. No, what they wanted instead was someone they could control. And Joe Biden fit that description perfectly. Biden was eager, malleable, and totally blank. He was willing to be whatever his handlers wanted him to be. Kamala Harris will be every bit as eager, and that's the point. If Biden-Harris still doesn't make sense to you as a ticket, it's only because you're not cynical enough. Harris clearly wasn't picked for her personal charm. More than 30 years ago, she dated a man called Willie Brown. He was later the mayor of San Francisco. She was 29 years old at the time. Brown was 60 and still married. Brown launched Harris's political career. He knows her very well. Last week, Brown publicly urged Joe Biden not to pick Kamala Harris as his running mate. But it turns out Willie Brown's opinion no longer matters in the Democratic Party. Jeff Bezos's opinion matters. So do the opinions of his fellow Bay Area tech titans and the finance moguls in New York. These are the people who bankroll the Democratic Party. They are the economic engine of the left. And they love Kamala Harris. Not personally. It's business. 
Their main interest is in keeping the government carve-outs that have made them rich. They know the last thing Kamala Harris will do is threaten any of those. Never, under any circumstances. One thing you can be certain of, in a Biden-Harris administration, private equity barons will still pay half the tax rate you pay. And that's the real point. Voters may not like Kamala Harris, but Wall Street does, just in case you're wondering who is actually in charge. And yet still, even politicians have souls, technically anyway. So how could Joe Biden pick a running mate who once publicly denounced him as a racist? You remember the moment. It was at a debate last summer. I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. I do not believe you are racist. I do not believe you beat your wife. Right. Kamala Harris, civil rights icon. Actually, Harris grew up mostly in Canada. And in any case, forced busing was a disaster from the beginning to the end. Nobody liked it, including black families. Joe Biden may be a bigot, but it's not because he opposed forced busing. But apparently he's forgiven Harris for that slur. Maybe he doesn't even remember it. But even a dimming 77-year-old must have some memory of what Harris once said about his purported sex crimes. Just last year, several women came forward to say Joe Biden had touched them in sexually aggressive ways, both on and off camera. Kamala Harris wholeheartedly endorsed their claims. Quote, I believe them and I respect them being able to tell their story and having the courage to do it. Wait, what? You believe that Joe Biden sexually assaulted a number of women, sexually assaulted them, but you're joining his presidential ticket anyway. How does that work exactly? How can you do that? Well, as it turns out, she can do it happily, shamelessly, without even taking a breath. Just tell Kamala Harris what to say, and she will say it. That is the whole point of Kamala Harris. It's why she's so useful. And for the next several months, Harris is going to say that Donald Trump is a racist. She will say that every day until November. That's her job now. You watch. But keep in mind, as you watch, that there's no fighting back. It's not allowed. Kamala Harris is a, quote, historic candidate. And that means you have no right to criticize her, regardless of what she says. They're already telling you that. They're making it very clear. Just last week, a group of abortion lobbyists, officials from Planned Parenthood, NARAL, Emily's List, others, sent a letter to media organizations around the country about Biden's upcoming VP pick. It was addressed to editors, news directors, reporters. The choice of the vice presidential candidate was almost certain to be a black woman, they said. They were right. And they wanted to warn reporters that in the wake of George Floyd's death, any critical coverage of Joe Biden's VP pick would amount to, quote, systemic racism. It wasn't guidance. It was an unveiled threat. They made it because they knew it would work. And in fact, it's already working. Immediately after Harris was chosen today, the New York Times sent out a bulletin describing her as, quote, a pragmatic moderate. Got that? A pragmatic moderate, not some kind of kooky ideologue, not some flaky lifestyle liberal from San Francisco. Not at all. No. Instead, someone who wants to solve America's toughest problems and solve them without regard to orthodoxy or partisanship. A sober, steady leader in troubled times. Actually, it might be nice to have someone like that. But that is not Kamala Harris, not even close. Harris has endorsed forcing schools to let biological males play on girls' athletic teams. 
Listen, she was, this should terrify you. Think about it this way. Kamala Harris is, was an AG. She prosecuted and she's that big of a liar. Thank you to the person. And I, and I didn't see it who showed me the movie. It's called book smart. This was the trailer. Uh, you can Google the trailer and you'll see Elizabeth Warren 2020. This is before she put it still a nasty woman, hot flashes or power surges. Life begins at perception. Look at this. Wait, but what you have to look at is the license plate. And so this is what you need to remember. This is all a script we already know. I mean, why would Hollywood put it on? Now, I found that clip of me with um, Chris Berg. I'm going to play it with you guys. We were talking about Avenatti, uh, and I was uh, bringing in um, uh, how this was all coming together with uh, Jussie Smollett. Take a listen. The gentleman who actually runs the Fraternal Order of Police in Chicago, all upset about the injustice that took place because all 16 charges against Jesse Smollett were dropped. His records expunged. Everyone's upset about the injustice, and yet you're saying, hey, this is a win. Why? It's a total win. For them, it's a loss because we know Chicago is not run by Lady Justice blindly. They have a lot of politics, kind of like our state. But um, so that's why they're upset because this was an open shut case. But we had a plea deal here that was important to be made because, you know, it's kind of like tossing out the minnow to get the shark and we're getting a lot of sharks. Like who specifically though? I mean, again, you, you throw out references, but talk, talk about why this minnow is gonna determine sharks. So we obviously know that um, from the beginning of this investigation, the FBI was involved. We know that they have been investigating from the letter or that sad drawing that was a threat that was sent to following Nigerians, flying to Nigeria. So we had a lot of um, components of law enforcement on a federal end and even global, right? So there was a lot of monitoring, a lot of subpoenas. And when you're under such tight watch, everyone's being watched. And, you know, a lot of names came up and here's where the conversation started to ensue when it shifted from him being a victim to actually being the perpetrator that the state's attorney recused herself because she was already having a conversation with um, Chen, a private attorney in Chicago that also happens to be Michelle Obama's former um, member of chief of staff or something. So it got really complicated and suddenly Wait, so you don't hear anything. I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's what I'm asking. You, you started to talk about sharks. Are you suggesting that you're going to lead to Michelle Obama? Or what do you suggest when you say minnows for sharks? Because I don't, there's no way that Michelle Obama is going to get prosecuted in this situation. Oh, no, not Michelle Obama. That's but what I'm what saying. Happened, so who are you talking about specifically? So what I'm talking about is this... Um, California attorney that the state's attorney's office, Miss uh, Miss Fox herself, Cook County state's attorney, was in a conversation with. And obviously, when you have the FBI involved, there's going to be a lot of you know monitoring happening. And Victoria, here's Victoria, where it quick, okay. Who specifically? I'm asking you. Who specifically are the sharks that you're referring to? Michael Avenatti and Mark Piragos. 
So that is what happened. This is why we had these indictments come down. Uh, the uh, the the chief, the chief the superintendent of the police had said himself that they reached out to the Department of Justice to find out, and this is over a week ago, why they were in communication with an attorney, why the state's attorney was talking to a California attorney. And then we see yesterday from Avenatti's arrest, plus Mark Garagos, and remember, Mark Garagos isn't someone to mess around with. He's represented Michael Jackson, Cameron Brown, you know, that guy that chucked his toddler off of a cliff. Like, he's not even a really nice guy, uh, you know, kleptomaniacs from Hollywood and CNN legal advisor. And it all comes back to CNN. We're going to see some heads roll from, you know, Kavanaugh, from, you know, those women that came with Kavanaugh. We got Stormy Daniels through this indictment. We've got CNN. We've got a barrage so, of- So Tori, this is the thing that I think is missing people is how do you go from Jesse Smollett to the indictments that took place yesterday? There's a huge gap they're missing that most people aren't gonna see. And you say what to that gap? The state's attorney communicated with Avenatti in California. And that's how they were monitoring the communication. And this Nike, there was a discussion of crime. And you know, when you're investigating things, this is like varsity blues. That you know, indictment getting Aunt Becky and Huffman and a bunch of other people arrested and, and charged wasn't from investigating college buyouts. It was from something else. So when you're being monitored, they'll monitor everything you say. The only time that they will pursue and investigate that is if you talk about a crime. So this means they knew about this Nike. They discussed this crime. And this is why, if you read the indictment, Nike was on board taping the conversations between them and Mark Giragos, who, by the way, is also Colin Kaepernick's attorney as of February 1st, and also Michael Avenatti. So just, so, just for clarity, because I do want to spell this out for our audience and ask you a question. So just, just so people understand, what she's suggesting is that Jesse Smollett makes this deal, if you will, with prosecutors because they know that there's more conversations taking place. Jesse Smollett's attorney was, uh, what is his name, Gregarios or something like that? Garagos, yes. Garagos, thank you. He is co-conspirator one in this indictment with Michael Avenatti, who, just for, again, certainty and clarity here, Nike was actually recording the conversations with video because the FBI asked them to when Avenatti tried to extort Nike, which just happened last week. That's where the timeline, I think, starts to make sense. Excuse me? Yeah. He was with Girago. So it was Avenatti and Mark Girago. And let's not forget, I've always said Don Lemon purported this because Don Lemon was the one that told Jesse Smollett to file a police report. And he's the one that gave him this really nice attorney with all these great achievements behind him uh, to support him. Um, and, you know, this is, you know, Jesse Smollett could be innocent. I, I would even be happy with him suing Chicago, who will probably give him an IOU like they do to lottery winners, because this is well, going to take Well, he's never going to sue test. Chicago, because then there's going to be discovery, and then all this other stuff's going to, you know, going to happen. I mean, he's not going to sue Chicago, but... Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. So they want to okay. give up Jesse, because they think, okay, now we've got Avenatti and this Garagos guy... Those are a couple of people, but do you think those are the biggest sharks or do you see more sharks to come? 
when you want to take down a house of cards, you don't go for the top. You go for the bottom. These are the Giragos isn't a bottom feeder. I would say he's more like second level. But Avenatti is a bottom feeder. And he's got a lot of communications and he's got his finger in a lot of dirty things, you know, from the Kavanaugh hearings to Stormy Daniels. Uh, you know, they're gonna check all his finances and see where he was getting paid from and how these women who came up and spoke up against Justice Kavanaugh got paid actually. So this is all gonna come to the forefront and Mark Giragos, wow, that's CNN. That's why they fired him instantly. Um, and he's gonna be uh, a pretty big deep pocket you know, of information. So I'm gonna, play, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play a quick clip for our audience and then ask you if you, can, if you know this for certain. This is the Fraternal Order of Police president out of Chicago. Kevin Graham said this today at the press conference. Last week, we asked the uh, Department of Justice to investigate the contact that state's attorney had with a private individual, private attorney in California. So you suggested earlier in the interview that that, that was Michael Avenatti as the private California attorney. Correct. How do you know that for certain? Well, it's for the timing and also the fact that the Nike meeting, if you see, they were trying to extort money out of Nike for XYZ reason, but they were also asking for $1.5 million for Avenatti's client. Now, Avenatti doesn't have any client that would be of interest to Nike, but Jesse Smollett getting, you know, you know, annihilated with his as a person through his hoax that so many people propped up. Um, would one may, and this is pretty, this is a pretty solid theory that Jesse Smollett might have been his client requesting the 1.5 million because when two attorneys go together into one meeting to put forward something together, they share that client's interest in in you know yes. together. So this is this is going to be so interesting and. Again, sometimes we just have to let minnows like this. I mean, he's not going to get anything out of it. He forfeited his bond. Everything is under seal. So it was a plea deal. We know this. And if he was really innocent, uh, he would never let anyone claim that he did a hoax and not take it to trial. So it's obvious he won something. And what he won was you gave us the testimony of what you discussed with them and we won't throw you in jail. And so that's the bottom line. And justice is raining down. We're going to have April shower and indictment. I'll see you in a bit. Welcome back, everyone. Now I'm going to play um, another clip for this second hour just to introduce this Jesse Smollett stuff, how I was under attack by a fake Native American representative on a local level in the state of North Dakota uh, who came at me. She even sicked some people on me, and it was like, oh, what a loser. I got you red-handed. Take a listen. Oops. I can't because I don't have volume. Here we go. Go from here. Are you going to reach out to her and try to communicate with her? What's next? 
okay, so I'm not going to reach out to communicate to her because there's nothing to say. She took a constituent's comment out of context, put it up there so she could drum up drama and pretend like she's a victim. We've seen this before. The thing is, she was coaxed into doing this by very smart people that had a different agenda. And unfortunately for her, with my FBI cyber complaint, it will pull up text messages, DMs, calls, and it will just prove how this was orchestrated to push an agenda. I mean, we saw it with Jesse Smollett. I mean, everyone keeps saying Jussie came out, Jussie came out and said this, but it wasn't Jussie. The first person that spoke to Jussie was Don Lemon and Don Lemon encouraged him to file a report. So in essence, the Smollett hoax is on CNN because they started it and pushed it and Again, promoted it. I mean, those are more allegations that unless you can prove them, they're, they're pure allegations. It's all point. over the media. We will see what happens, what's next here with your FBI uh, security submission that you had. So that was uh, pretty interesting. That was a um, a fake wannabe, uh, you know, American Indian. She is American Indian, a, a percentage, but none of those tribes that she's supposedly representing. So, you know, and, you know, she tried to put me into like this box and it's like, girl, I make boxes for a living. You're going to run out of corners to paint yourself into. So, you know, this is where th- that was the day. And I say it where I got uh, that call from Secret Service <laughs> and then the local Secret Service turned up and they were like, oh, maybe she misunderstood. Are you going to apologize? Fuck. Oops. Excuse my French. No, I'm not apologizing. I'm not going to let her, you know, use it. She's so dumb. She had more powerful people on top of her telling her how to paint me in a corner. No. And this is from 2019. Okay. So those of you that are new to Tori says, I've been around for a while, you know, dropping what I need to be dropping when I need to be dropping it. So it's, 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 it's really important that you understand, (laughs) um, how things pan out. Uh, CNN, the, the, all of them, they communicate, you guys. We have it all. But like I said in that first video that I played for you, you can't take the house of cards down from the top. You got to get the bottom. That's how you get them all to fall down. And this is exactly what we're doing. And people need to understand that. Because, yes, we want to see perp walks. Yes, we want to see them arrested. Yes, we want to see all of this. But then we have to see... Well, who and what is our real media all about? Like, what are they doing? Are they really doing anything for us? Come on. We were together live during the Flynn hearing, and I was like, hey, guys, up. Oh, it says here that Attorney General Barr saw stuff the court's not allowed to see. Sounds very interesting, doesn't it? <laughs> and then in the evening, your media decides to talk about that. No. That should have been the catapult. That should have been where you springboard off for your news. Not later. It should have been at the beginning. It should have been put on a pedestal, framed, and all the lights shone on it. But no, not even the good media wants to put that out. Why? Because it's all messed up. This is an insurgency like you've never even seen before. (laughs) And this is the most irregular warfare because we have good guys, bad guys, all fighting against each other, yet they all seem to be playing for the same team, the team of control. And that's what we need to stop. The people should be in control. The people should be saying what they want. The people are in charge. And you know what? In, In essence, you know, truth 
Well, you should always stand for it. Truth is freedom. <laughs> and freedom and truth are the light. And that abolishes darkness forever and ever. I really wish I had an echo thing that would be like ever, ever, ever. So this is how you are starting to be able to step back away from all of this. I'll say it in French. I'm so upset. It is a clown theater. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is a clown theater. And it's so upsetting to see, even though they are saying things we want to hear, they are not saying the things the president is telling us in uh, a very nice way. He's delivering it correctly in a sense. And he's also trying to pet the ears of those that are on the fence. The ones that, oh, but president, you know, I'm not this and it's a bully and nah, 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 nah. I don't like that at all. Okay, so here we go. Before, uh, at the end, we're going to talk a little bit more about Turkey and Greece. That's That has heated up a lot. Uh, we're going to talk about New York. Uh, we're going to now listen to President Trump's uh, interview with uh, Sean Hannity. So here is uh, part one is where we're going to start with. And um, take a listen to what he is telling us. There we go. Live, he's in the White House as we speak, is the President of the United States. Mr. President, uh, thank you, sir, for joining us. Appreciate you being here. Thank you, Sean. Let's start with uh, the big news today. Kamala Harris, your, your initial thoughts. Well, if you read the various uh, political pundits, you would have said that maybe that would have been the one. A lot of people think it's a dangerous choice. I think, you know, she's the most liberal person supposedly in the Senate. That's pretty liberal, but she's supposed to be the most. I'm not sure that's what the country wants. I think if it is, we've got problems, but I would be surprised if it is. She wants to raise taxes. She wants to get rid of your Second Amendment. No guns for protection, no nothing. She's very strong in the Second Amendment, getting rid of it. And uh, very bad to the military. She wants to cut the military. She wants to cut spending for the military and the vets. And, uh, you know, I don't quite get the choice, but we'll have it out. We have a great vice president named Mike Pence, and he will take care of business just like uh, he did the last time against a different candidate. Well, uh, Vice President Pence, by the way, will exclusively join us on this program tomorrow. Let, let's go through some of the specifics. She was one of the first Democrats to co-sponsor, I call him Bolshevik Bernie, Bernie Sanders, who, by the way, he used to be an outlier in the Democratic Party um, and and way outside the Democratic mainstream. Uh, she co-sponsored his not only his single payer, Medicare for all, which would be anywhere estimates from 32 to 54 trillion dollars. She wanted to eliminate private health insurance, even for mm -hmm. Americans that like their plan. Um, that sounds extreme, sir. Well, that's 180 million people and they love their plan, not like it, and they don't want to take it away. And if you go into socialized medicine, which is what she wants and supports strongly, and it's what Biden wants, ultimately, he's not going to have a choice because his party wants it. The people that really control the party, he will never control the party. They want it. That means you're destroying something that 180 million people love. They have a plan that they really like. That's a, that's a very hard thing to do. Very hard thing to do. And by the way, I have to say, Larry, 
and Leo and Janine and uh, your great Senator John Kennedy, who's fantastic, and Carl Rove, who's been so great last. You know, Carl and I had our disputes previously. We like each other a lot now. He's been great. But Carl was great tonight, and I, I will say that was uh, some little precast I had on. That was very impressive. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> that, that, that's, I guess that we call that the opening act, uh, Mr. President. Um, well, they were one good. Of the things, they were good. I, I've talked a lot about this, and when you were a candidate, I asked you many, many times about the need for America to become energy independent. And you went forward with the Keystone XL pipeline, uh, the Dakota pipeline. You've opened Anwar. And for the first time in 75 years, America is now energy independent. And we're now also, it's been a longer period of time, the largest producer of energy in the entire world. Uh, She was a co-sponsor in the U.S. Senate of this radical Green New Deal. Uh, Joe Biden has already pledged trillions of taxpayer dollars for, for that plan. Um, and uh, all I see is that would eliminate, uh, you know, the lifeblood of the, the world's economy, America's economy in in the next 10 years, according to the original plan that she, again, was a co-sponsor of. How do you see that in terms of the geopolitical, strategic, even defense uh, of this country? Because that, to me, is a crucial program that uh, is scary you know, to go back to energy independent, uh, dependence is scary to me. Well, we are now energy independent for the first time, I guess, ever. And uh, we're very powerful on energy. And, and uh, we, when we had the pandemic hit us from China, which should have never happened, they should have never let that happen. But uh, there was obviously uh, a lot of energy around, and we saved it. I saved it. We called Russia, President Putin. We called the King of Saudi Arabia. They cut 10 million barrels of oil a day, and uh, we saved the energy, and now we're at $41 a barrel. But more importantly for the people driving cars, we're around $2 and even less a gallon, and that's fantastic. She's against petroleum. She's against fracking. So is Biden. And that means you can't win Texas. You can't win Pennsylvania. You can't win Oklahoma or North Dakota or many other states. And it also means your electric bills would go up literally by 10 times. You wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be even sustainable. And if they went with this crazy, Gruden, it's, it's like child's play. If they went with the so-called Green New Deal, you're talking about uh, a, a catastrophic for the country. You'd probably have to close 20 to 25 percent of your businesses even to qualify. And they wouldn't function properly because we don't have that kind of energy. It's crazy. This can't, they can't power our massive. We have these massive plants, some of which and many of which are being built under me. The car companies are moving back from Japan and from other countries coming in from Germany. They're coming back to America, first time in 42 years. And uh, you can't even think about firing up those plants with the kind of things they're talking about. Wind is nice. It's nice. It's, but it's, uh, It causes tremendous environmental problems from site to home values going way down. If you see a windmill and you hear a windmill, your home is worth half or less than half. It kills all the birds. The whole thing is crazy what they want to do, and they'll destroy the country. We built the greatest. And if you see what's happened, we had the greatest economy in the history of the world 
better than China by far. We were lapping them. And then all of a sudden, when the plague came in, we had to close it down. We saved millions of lives. And now we're opening it up and we're setting records. And you even see the stock prices today where the markets are uh, NASDAQ is higher than it ever was. And uh, the Dow is just about ready. I mean, it, it's right at almost at the same level. Who would have believed that in the middle of a pandemic, which we're soon going to have vaccines and therapeutics. It's going to be uh, it's going to all be good next year. We're going to have one of the greatest years we've ever had if it isn't blown out the window by tripling and quadrupling taxes and regulations. Let me specifically go into the issue, and it was a signature issue for you in 2016, and that is uh, building the wall, and 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 you can update us on that part. Um, and it, yeah, it was a heavy lift, uh, and you had to find a way to reallocate funds from the Defense Department and elsewhere. But uh, and elsewhere, uh, but you have two candidates now that support amnesty, uh, Kamala Harris. To support sanctuary cities. The sanctuary state of uh, California wants to eliminate ICE. Uh, your reaction to the the very different positions that you have on this very key issue and, and an issue that has defined your first campaign and, and is a big issue still today. So the wall is well under construction. We have 281 miles up. 281 miles, that's one of the reasons that the border numbers are so good, because wherever it's built, nobody comes through. You can't get through it, unless you're a climber of Mount Everest. That's about it. You'd have to be of that talent. Uh, So we have uh, 281 miles. The rest is being built. By the end of the year, it'll be mostly finished. We may add another 50 miles that was unplanned for in certain areas that are a little bit tough. So we'll make that determination. But the wall is built. You don't hear about that anymore, Sharon. Remember, that was like the biggest topic. As soon as they won, the Democrats stopped talking about it. And when they stop, their uh, their co-partner stops. That's the media, the corrupt media, the fake news. So you don't hear about it. But the wall is going up and having a tre- tremendous impact. And it's exactly what the Border Patrol wanted. We designed it together. And it's exactly what they wanted. They wanted steel, concrete, and rebar. I said, how about one? They said, we need all three for strength and for other reasons, security. So that, and if you look at ICE, these people are incredible. They're taking out thousands of MS-13 gang members. These are the roughest there are anywhere in the world. They're crazy. They're crazy. And we're either bringing them back to their country or we're we're putting them in jail. In some cases, we really have to put them in jail. We don't want to have to pay for them for the next 50 years, but we don't want to take a chance. They're so violent. They kill people with knives because it's more painful. And it goes slower. That's what they say. It goes slower and it's more painful. We're taking them out by the thousands. And Guatemala, if you look at Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, these are countries that wouldn't take people back. Tremendous problems came to our country. They wouldn't take them back. Now they take them back. You know, we were paying them for years, hundreds of millions of dollars a year, ridiculously. And I said, you mean we're paying them the money? We don't take them back. We bring them to the country. They wouldn't accept. They wouldn't let our planes land before me. And when I got there, I said, well, they won't do that. Then we're not going to pay them anymore. Once I said that, we stopped paying them. And then all of a sudden, they take these people back gladly, with very, very happily. Mexico has 27,000 of their soldiers on the southern border. And people aren't coming in now. They don't go past the Mexican soldiers. 
Well, um, let's just stop it right there one second because I want to play a clip that Millie Weaver sent me uh, that was interesting through a discussion. And I want to play that. I'm trying to get uh, the link up. Uh, this is a mom that um, is talking about how she's terrified of uh, the masks, the mandatory masks. Now, if you notice, President Trump put out a, um, a tweet today uh, that was very specific. And um, we're going to we're going to talk about that tweet for a second. OK, uh, let me just pull it up so that I can read it to you word for word uh, so that you get where I'm going with this. So he tweeted out about Bill Mayer, um, obviously, because Bill Mayer was purporting a eulogy, right? And he said something about him that was pretty interesting that not a lot of people caught on. He said, watched Bill Mayer last week for the first time in a long time. He's totally shot with capitals, looks terrible, exhausted, gaunt, and weak. If there was ever a good reason for no shutdown, check out this jerk. He never had much going for him, but whatever he did have is missing in action. Now, keep that in mind as you watch what this woman, this mom, has to say. Hey, guys. Just wanted to pop on here for just a second and kind of just bring an awareness of a couple of things Um that's on my heart, it's on my mind. And um, if you're a parent, it might be something that maybe you haven't thought about. And so I just kind of wanted to bring a little bit of an awareness to a couple of things that have to do with our kiddos. Okay. And the first thing is, this is, this is more than about COVID-19. This is more than masks. Do you believe we should wear them? Do I believe we should wear them? It has nothing to do with that. What it has to do with is the fact that because we're so distracted by arguing over masks and the issues of should we send our kids to school, should we keep them at home, which are all huge things to think about. You know, we have to take care of our family. We have to, to figure out what's best and stuff. So it kind of fills up our mind. And then we almost miss, like our, our eyes almost get masked and, and we can't see some of the m more important things in front of us. Not necessarily more important, but extremely important. So here's one of them, okay? Here's Jordan. Okay, so Jordan has a mask on, okay? And one of the things that, that I sort of want to bring awareness to is, again, not whether or not my opinion is that we wear masks, but I think it's super important that we protect and educate our children and ourselves when it comes to wearing masks. Okay, so here he is wearing a mask. He is told that, so let's imagine for a minute, Jordan is told that he needs to wear a mask. When you're in public, you need to wear a mask. When, um, at all times, okay? So it's 
it's conditioned in his mind, okay? So let's pretend that it's just conditioned in his mind. Go into town, wear a mask, we buy you an awesome mask, one that you love, it's so cool, masks are awesome, it's our new normal, okay? So <clears throat> that's where we are. So imagine with me, God forbid, my child is abducted, okay? Timing is everything. Okay, in, in finding him and in bringing him home safely. And um, so I show you a picture of what he looks like. Okay, you cannot see the scar on his lip. Okay, you cannot see his teeth. That um, grown-up teeth in the front. He's about to get braces here pretty soon. If I described his mouth to you, you would not know. Okay. And then in this period of time, wearing glasses and hats also wouldn't, wouldn't make anybody concerned. I mean, it's just you're wearing sunglasses in the summer, you got a hat on, got a mask on. Nobody thinks anything about it. So if I show you a picture of my abducted child, would you be able to help me find him? No. Would you recognize him if you saw him? Probably not. What about the identity of the person who took my child? <clears throat> Could I even explain what that person looked like? He's masked. He, she, they are masked. So could I explain to you how to find them? Who, what they look like? Probably not. If the cameras caught him, <clears throat> could they identify him? Probably not. Probably not. Um, so, you know, and again, this is not a whether we should or should not wear masks. I do have an opinion, 100%, and it might show through here, but that's not the idea. The idea is, is awareness. Because I want you to think about something else. If you were walking around in a store and you saw a kid wearing a mask of course we don't think about it i will throw this out there i think we look like a bunch of robots we're walking and we have lost total value in relationships we're in we're out we get what we need we leave heaven forbid we accidentally get five feet close to somebody instead of six feet and what do i teach you guys a woman who has children you know you run to a, um, a clerk you 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 have to give them something to go on because they don't know what to do kids don't know what to do until you tell them so um, I thought I would share this this was very interesting because this woman makes a great point the point is with all these masks someone can put tape over your son or your daughter's mouth put a mask on top of them and just abduct them and there's no way to say anything or do anything I simply adored the demonstration she did with her children showing uh, you know the tape over the mouth of the child uh, she uh, put you uh, 
you know, a mask on top of that. Again, how do you find a child? You know, if, if, if my child was wearing a mask, there's probably hundreds of children that have the same structure as her head younger because they haven't fully developed. So facial recognition will not assist. And if you cannot see what the child is, you know, that's interesting. So now switching back to President Trump's tweet, let's re-read that tweet is watched Bill Mayer last week for the first time in a long time. He's totally shot, looks terrible, exhausted, gaunt and weak. If there was ever a good reason for no shutdown, check out this jerk. He never had much going for him, but whatever he did have is missing in action. So that is uh, very telling. And uh, this is because the president is directing us to see his last show, which was uh, the eulogy. And, um, you know, this woman did a great job. Uh, thank you, Millie Weaver, for texting that to me. That was incredible. Uh, I will be posting the link in um, uh, uh, the chat as well. So now let's go back to our president and listen to what he has to say uh, with um, Sean Hannity uh, in regards to all this that's going on. So very, very few people coming in illegally. And then uh, that's helped, of course, by the wall. So we've made tremendous strides. We let people come in legally. We want people to come in through merit where they can help our country, where they can love our country. And that's what's happening. And the Democrats stay away. The, I call them the radical left, because if you look at the races, you look at some of the races that are taking place, all of these old mainline, older mainline Democrats are being beaten by radical left. Uh, I don't know. I guess you could say anarchists in a certain way. But the people that are winning these races for the Democrats, Elliot Engel, he, he was a staple many, many years. And you know who I'm talking about, a staple from a very nice part of the world that's going bad on us, New York. It's going bad. I left there. It was four years ago. It was it was a wonderful place. You could see signs of badness, but it was a wonderful place. And now it's, it's crime is up by many, many times. And what's happening in New York is so horrible for our country. What they've done, what Mayor de Blasio has done to that city in a short period of time is, is horrible. But you look at Elliot Engel gets beaten easily by... A radical left. And the Democrats, that's where they are. They don't want petroleum. They don't want Second Amendment. They don't want religion. They don't want anything. It's a, it's disgraceful. Let me go to, you know, I played at the beginning of the program. It was interesting to me that you had tweeted out almost within minutes today uh, the ad about Kamala Harris and did you have an instinct that it was going to be Kamala or perhaps the names that had been mentioned the most? Did you have ads prepared for all of them? No, but we uh, really have some very talented people. It was quick. And we have some talented people. Yeah, I thought it might be her because if you remember, she was going to do very well. She was one of the people that was projected to have a chance at winning. And all she did is people got to know her. She went down. She finished at 2 percent probably less than that. And she fled. Remember how quickly she said horrible things about Biden. The one thing I, I felt he couldn't do. I mean, she took what somebody said about her, some horrible things about what was said about Joe. 
And she said she agreed with the woman that said him. That was a terrible statement. And I said, you know, just that statement alone. But she made terrible statements. She essentially called him a racist and other things that were very bad. And, you know, I said, we probably can't pick her, but let's do something on her because people were saying it could happen. And we had others in mind also. We had some... We had some other choices. She was my number one draft pick. She was the one that I thought would be uh, the best for us. She number one. My- she would be the number one because we got a lot on Kamala. And the people don't like Kamala. And the left doesn't like Kamala. And their insane base, the really crazy ones, don't like Kamala. So Kamala would be a godsend. But, you know, the person that's going to be replacing her is the one that they have been planting all along. So here is part two of uh, this uh, interview. Um, well, I mean, she did talk about things, you know. I know that you get attacked pretty much, as I've said, uh, and I'll say it with the mob and the media watching because they lied about Russia. We now know that the FBI knew from the subsource of Christopher Steele that that dossier was phony. We know that Hillary Clinton's uh, even The New York Times now recognized that her bought and paid for Russian dossier was likely Russian disinformation from from the beginning. But my question is more about her attack on Biden on the issue of race and You know, the reality is he did praise the guy that filibusted the Civil Rights Act. Imagine if you'd done that. Biden did support the anti-busing amendment uh, of Robert Byrd. And by the way, he did say he worried his children would grow up in a racial jungle, referring to school and integration. And he did, you know, use the comment more recently, you ain't black and poor kids are just as smart as white kids. And in a previous campaign, they're going to put you all back in chains and you can't go to a Dunkin Donuts or a 7-Eleven unless you have a slight Indian accent. And what he said about even Barack Obama, clean and bright and articulate. And that's storybook. And man, he likes to say the words, come on, man, come on, man. Uh, your reaction to her attacks on him on the issue of race. Well, first of all, what you said about Russia, the New York Times is fake reporting. It's a fake newspaper, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, Washington Post, likewise. I always try and figure out which is worse. And then you have CNN and, frankly, ABC, CBS, NBC. And, but you have some good ones in between. Locals are great. Locals we do great in. I couldn't possibly be here. And on uh, social media, I don't. does anybody do better in terms of uh, people watching and the importance of social media so we get the word out but you know the sad thing is you have so many incredibly talented writers journalists frankly including yourself because i consider you really a journalist to to a very to the largest extent the job you've done because you got the russia hoax correct and your people that came on that show night after night including by the way our great congressmen and and senators and senators you had john kennedy on tonight you have a lot of them on but a lot of people got it right and a lot of our congress and and senate got it right and they got it wrong and they got pulitzer prizes the pulitzer prize is worthless as far as i'm concerned because when you have the maggie habermans getting a pulitzer prize and she got it all wrong she doesn't i haven't spoken to her in forever she's like my biographer like she knows everything about me she knows nothing about me and they talk about they have sources. They don't have sources. They're made up. They make them up in their mind. They have no sources. I know when there are sources. But if you look at the Times and I guess the Washington Post, they got Pulitzer Prizes, and they were totally wrong. And they got them, I guess, before the end result. 
And there was no collusion. And now this thing turns out to be a total hoax. And now it finds out that we caught Obama, Biden. Uh, that's why I didn't think that Susan Rice could get it, because she's part of this whole uh, illegal thing that happened, which is one of the worst, perhaps the worst political scandal in the history of our country. And they got caught. Now let's see what happens. But they're caught red-handed. And, uh, but these writers, the writers got Pulitzer Prizes. And that shows you a Pulitzer Prize is worthless. And frankly, you ought to start a petition to return the Pulitzer Prize because they were all wrong. They were wrong on, this, on the whole subject of Russia, Russia, Russia. It was made up, fabricated. It was a crime that was committed. And you look at Hillary Clinton, where she paid for the fake dossier. And now the dossier has proven to be totally fake. It's a disgrace what happened. And no other president should have to go through it, John. Mr. President, they got it all wrong. And they're listening to you tonight. They were wrong. There was no evidence of any Trump-Russia collusion. We now know in January of 2017, the subsource said, uh, yeah, none of this is true. This is bar talk. Uh, They never went after Hillary for her subpoenaed emails that were deleted and bleach bit and hammers. Uh, They never went after what turned out to be premeditated fraud on a FISA court. It says on the top of a FISA application verified. Not only was it not verified, it was unverifiable and they were were warned not to use it on numerous occasions and definitively by January of 2017. Uh, they ignored her bought and paid for dirty Russian now debunked dossier. They ignored the biggest abuse of power corruption scandal in history, which then brings us to your comments yesterday about where we are. There's two issues that I would like to see as somebody that is a talk show host, and that does include uh, straight journalism, opinion, and yeah, investigative journalism that the media mob doesn't do. I'd like to know, I'd like to, number one, before any voting takes place, see you debate Joe Biden. You've invited him. And I'd also like to have resolved what happened in 2016 before the American people vote in 2020. We haven't gotten there yet. We're waiting for the any Durham action that might happen. Your your thoughts on both? Well, I hope it goes quickly, but this is the greatest political crime, the worst political crime I think, in the history of our country. And I hope that they do it properly, because this is uh, this affected, this had to do with Obama and Biden, as well as Brennan and Comey and Clapper. And you go down to uh, Page, Lisa Page, and her lover, Peter Strzok, and McCabe. Uh, but you look at all of these people, and they're all implicated. Now we're going to find out. Let me tell you, the Democrats play a much dirtier game than the Republicans, and I say that uh, in a very negative way, it's a disgrace. They play a much dirtier game. They'll impeach you over a phone call that was perfect. Nothing like that's ever happened before. They impeached me over a phone call that was absolutely perfect. You couldn't have made a better. Man, and I could impeach Adam Schiff over phone calls he made that I listened to. But then I would have not been able to listen to all of that all the time. So, you know, I had to keep my mouth shut. All I did was drop little hints on my Twitter. And this is probably why Twitter, Twitter hasn't even gone back to me to say, hey, we shut down your account because you violated XYZ. Nothing. I filed the appeal. I'm like, hey, this is how I make money. This is what I said because Santa Surfing, who also got banned, said, just put it on your thing. And I said, buy my goods at Subscribestar. So, um, 
you know, that's part of the executive order. So they have to tell me how I violated uh, their rules and how I violated uh, what their rules are, because I did not. And so this I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing, keep pushing. And, you know, they have 30 days by law to get back to you. And I'm going to have to sit and wait. But, you know, they didn't want stuff out like about the IG. They didn't want me retweeting things from, you know, this that was a actually pretty new account, right? I had it from 2018. And unlike many people, rather than me be like, hey, you know, uh, here I am or whatever, because, you know, even IET was banned quickly because everyone rushed to follow and he grew really fast, uh, you know, getting his following back. And that's something I didn't do when I got my tour, when I started using my Tory says, um, for the radio station, I didn't, you know, I was just sitting there patiently and waiting and all my listeners would find me at some point or another. I would tell them where to go and that way it would grow normally. So there's no red flags because if you gain 10, 20,000 followers, 80,000 followers right back really quick, uh, you know, that's a flag. And so. Uh, you know, all my tweets are the ones that I could have retweeted because I have tons of stuff. Uh, so, you know, this is how you find, <laughs> this is how you find where the truth lies. And they don't want that. They don't want people retweeting things. And it's a good thing some people got captures of some. My stuff is still there because I'm still able to Periscope with that handle. And Periscope is Twitter. So they haven't completely banned it. They've put it in dormancy. Do they want to check my messages? Probably. Have I said things on DMs that I'd be ashamed of? Definitely not. Uh, but, you know, I know that one person, one person who has embedded themselves within the Q movement, uh, you know, is one of their own. And a lot of people follow this one person. And they, you know, th this is me and a reporter talking on a DM. And it's like, no, we shouldn't say it because it's just going to bring a bigger rift. And we don't need that. We have enough going on. It, way too much going on. So the president is making it clear to everyone just how everything is corrupt. But here's where it gets good. Listen to this. Their phone call. There was nothing done wrong with that phone call. And they play a much dirtier game, a much tougher game than the Republicans. The Republicans, fortunately, much better policy. But they ought to get tougher. The Republicans have to get tougher. And this whole thing with this mail-in ballot... That's a rigged election waiting to happen. It's rigged and everyone knows it because you can't send out 60 million mail-in ballots to everybody in the – who knows who's getting them. The mailmen are going to get them and uh, people are going to just grab batches of them. And you talk about China and Russia, they'll be grabbing plenty of them. It's a, it's a disaster. It's a rigged election waiting to happen. And it's just common sense. You wouldn't even have to know anything about politics or elections. It's common sense. And an absentee ballot's okay where you send in for a ballot. They go through a process and they send it to you and then you send it. It's fine. But these mail-in ballots where they send millions of them all over the country, it's, a, it's going to be a rigged election. 
and this country shouldn't allow it. The courts have to step in. We're in many different courts right now. If the courts don't step in, the federal courts, you'll never know who won the election. Just like in New York, they had an election with Carolyn Maloney, a third-rate congresswoman that I've known for a long time. Third-rate. Well, she won, but they have no idea where the ballots are. Where are the ballots? Many missing ballots. Her opponent is having a fit. But they declared that because it was so embarrassing. Then you look at Patterson, New Jersey. They declared her the winner because it was so embarrassing. You look at then Patterson, New Jersey. Look at what happened there. Look at what just happened in Virginia where they sent in 500,000 applications. And most of them are to wrong people. They sent some to dogs. They sent two to cats. They sent people that that passed away, dead people. They were sent to dead people at 500,000 applications. This is crazy what we're doing. And it's not a question of anything else. It can't work. It, It hasn't worked in little districts, small little defined districts. They can't do it. And it's an impossibility. Plus, the post office isn't set up for this. The post office is not set up for millions. When you look at what they did in Nevada, and take a look where they're sending millions of ballots and you don't have to have a confirmed signature. There's nothing to say that that person signed it. It's it's going to be catastrophic corruption. You know, you mentioned a lot there. And, you know, when I, when I went to the 2016 Democratic Convention, amazing, I needed a photo ID to get in. Just, to, just saying, you also mentioned, you know, they, they, the media ignored Joe Biden on tape uh, you're not getting a billion taxpayer dollars unless you fire the prosecutor investigating right. my son who goes on GMA and, and says he had no experience. Let me move on to another topic, though, and that is. And by the way, we should have voter the, ID. John, we should have voter, voter ID. ID. You needed so to get simple, into the Democratic so they Convention. Don't want it because it's too. And you're right. To get into the Democratic Convention, you need ID. But to vote, right. they don't want voter ID. What does that tell you? Let's ask about law and order, which is now on the ballot. You see what it, you mentioned, New York City. You see the shootings, 40, 50, 60, 70 shot in, in Chicago every weekend. Portland, Seattle, Portland now, what, day 74 of, of anarchy. You, you, you've offered all of these big cities help, all these mayors. The, the one thing they all have in common, they've been run by liberal Democratic mayors for decades and liberal Democratic governors for decades. And now... Security and safety. Now, some people would argue, including me, that if you can't, that is the number one job of government. We had a one-year-old child killed in a in a stroller in New York in a park. A beautiful seven-year-old girl killed in Chicago in her grandmother's backyard on Fourth of July weekend. An eight-year-old beautiful girl killed in Atlanta when her mom made a wrong turn into the chop zone there. Uh, you watch my interview with Horace Lorenzo Anderson Sr. He lost his 19-year-old son in the summer of Love Zone when the mayor out there allowed the anarchists to take over city blocks and police precincts. Uh, we now know about Kamala Harris's view. Uh, I mentioned it during my opening monologue. Joe did. He's trying to walk it back, say the police then become the enemy. And he's all for reallocating funds away from the police. And Kamala Harris praised the LAPD for the for the cuts in that city. A billion cut in New York. And it's become a disaster. Your reaction to this whole defund the police effort 
madness that's going on in the country. Well, it's ridiculous, and we should do the opposite of defunding. We should help the police more. They have been taken, their guts have been taken out, and it's it's very sad. Now, we've... Before we listen to this, I just wanted to say, so, you know, many of us are uh, very upset that things aren't moving along. But something that I've been saying all along is that the Democrats and the Republicans are the same. They're cut from the same cloth. The only ones that are different are the ones that came post-Trump era. And uh, those that have stayed on pretending to be pro-America, pro-America first, pro-the people are still there. You know why we haven't been able to subpoena Clapper or Lynch, you know, for public discussion. It's not the Democrats. It's the damn Republicans. We have control of the Senate. Why haven't they called them on why haven't they called them why have they not called them ask yourself that any of you out there answer that question we have control of the senate why haven't we subpoenaed them and brought them this is all going to come to light you're going to see that this is the way it is but again like i said this is no time for division even though i dropped to just be careful what and who you follow right (laughs) uh You also have to be careful to understand that division is not necessary right now. What we need is to get President Trump reelected, period. We have 83 days. That is all we care about, that he wins. After that, there will be no more DNC and GOP. There will be no more of all this rubbish. It'll be a country that is run by the people, the people listening to me now, the people that are talking, the people that are having these conversations, the people that are not swayed and stay within their own north, you know, your own north star. You are your only true north. No one can guide you right? You guide yourself. And those are the people that are going to be running the nation after we win these elections. So there is no point in calling out the clowns. There is no point in (laughs) sowing more division, but there is a point to have knowledge and keep that. I've had knowledge for so long, just sitting there, sitting on my hands, literally (laughs) just, you know, showing a pinky every now and then putting out something now and then sometimes I'll drop super fire. Sometimes. But again, I've said it many times. What we have to do is focus on the elections. After that, things change. The first four years was our break to come in. Our break to get in and start the work. Our break to get those bottom feeders. And then comes the work. The next four years is the rollout. Talk to the governor. If you look at Oregon and and you look at what's going on out there, we're willing to help. You know, we need, they're supposed to call and say, please send help. But, you know, honestly, they have 10,000 great uh, law enforcement people there. Really, they can take care of it themselves, but we'd be glad to send in the National Guard and solve the problem like we did in Minneapolis. We solved that problem in one hour after they arrived. We can do it in Portland so easy. We can do it in Chicago. A little more difficult. It's a different kind of a problem. One is anarchists and the other are people that go around indiscriminately shooting everyone uh, and themselves. But we can solve the problems if they ask. They have to ask. We're ready, willing, and able. We went to Portland to save the courthouse, if you can believe it, an expensive courthouse 
a beautiful courthouse. It was going to be destroyed. It was going to be set on fire. And the mayor wasn't saving it. And the governor of the state wasn't going to save it. So we sent Homeland Security, 300 people, and they it was very easy for them. They could have marched forward. They're not allowed to do that. They have very strong restrictions, unfortunately. And they were uh, they surrounded it and they protected it. And it's fine. And they're still there, by the way. They're you know, the mayor likes to say they're, they're still there. They're there to protect the courthouse. It's not for them to do anything beyond that. They're not allowed to. But we can have uh, the National Guard go in and clean out Portland in a matter of hours, less than hours. But uh, they have to ask us for that. And they don't want to ask. And it's not because they're too proud. It's because they truly don't have a clue as to what's happening. Mr. President, uh, you know, I I listen to the new Green Deal promises and everything's free, free government, you know, free pre-K through college education, student loan forgiveness, guaranteed government job, guaranteed government wage, guaranteed government vacation, guaranteed government healthy food, guaranteed government health care. Kamala wouldn't even give you the choice of a private plan. Uh, Biden and and Obama, they had eight years. Uh, They never set a single record of low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment. They had eight years to do criminal justice reform. They didn't do it. You did. They had eight years to do police reform. They didn't do that either. You did that. And you also committed the most amount of money per year for the longest period of time for historically black colleges. Um, why did your policy set records and why did they give us end up after eight years? We had 13 million more Americans on food stamps, eight million more in poverty and the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. Why didn't their economic plan work and why is yours working considering this is going to be the biggest choice election, I would argue, in history? So one reason is they didn't care. They never even tried to get criminal justice reform, which is a big deal. And I got it, and nobody else was able to get it, and I don't think anybody else could have gotten it. And uh, they never really tried. They never really helped the uh, black colleges and universities. They call them historically black colleges and universities. They never, they never helped. And these wonderful people, like 40 people, 42 people, would come up, the heads of each college. And after two years of seeing them, I say, why do you... People keep coming back. Why are you continuing to come back? Well, we have to come back and ask for money. I said, every year you have to ask for money? Every year? That's not, that's terrible. And one man said something, a wonderful guy in charge of one of the colleges, the head person at one of these really good colleges said to me, yeah, they make us feel like beggars because every year they make us come back for money. And you've been doing this for years? They said, yes, sir, we've been doing this for years. I said, we have to give you long-term financing, and we have to give you a number that's higher than you're asking for. And I did that. And Obama could have done that, too, but he didn't. He could have done that. And he could have possibly at least tried criminal justice reform. He didn't even try. I've done more for the black community than any other president other than perhaps Abraham Lincoln. And I will tell you, uh, when you look at what we did with Tim Scott on Opportunity Zones, it's incredible. The jobs that we're producing for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, but the jobs that we're producing, Tim Scott's incredible. The jobs that we're producing was an idea that Tim had, and we took it and we made it into an incredible thing where 
jobs are being done and, and areas that haven't been invested in in decades are are being brought back. It's an incredible thing to see. And we did these things and Obama didn't do it. And this mostly helps the minority communities, the black community. It's incredible what's happened. It's actually incredible some of the things we've done. And we have tremendous African-American support. I'll tell you that, Sean. Tremendous. We have tremendous Hispanic support. And you know who likes the wall the best of all and who likes the border safety the best of all? The Hispanic, because they understand the border better than anybody. And they understand the bad people that can come in through the border, and they don't want them in our country. And the Hispanic appreciate more than anybody else what I've been able to do at our southern border. Mr. President, we've had the worst pandemic since 1918, the invisible enemy, as you call it. Uh, I have noticed in in Arizona, Texas and Florida, it looks like the flattening of the curve. If the pattern holds, you'll see I know the death rate's gone up, then it will drop and then it will drop precipitously if the pattern held in the northeast and elsewhere. My my question to you is, you know, we're now in the final phase of human trials for a vaccine. Where are we? When do you expect the vaccine You've talked about distribution. Tell us about that in the two minutes we have left. Tell us about where we are with therapeutics. So the therapeutics are great. We could have something very soon, and that's where you'd go. Okay, just a note for my radio listeners. I will be uploading this, um, which will run uh, about a couple minutes over. So to those of you on the radio, God bless. I will see you guys uh, tomorrow, same time, same place. And I will, up, uh, again, this will be uploaded by WH Tempest, the archivist, who will be um, filing this that's running over just a few minutes. 